What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Random Richard Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach, and hosting with me, as always, is Chris. What's going on, buddy? Hello, everyone. What's up, everyone? Great to have everyone here, and thanks so much for our audience for joining us. And we have an awesome, awesome show for us today. Um, we've got some great guests w- with us today, and it's incredible. Thank you so much for being here, Ashlyn and Rihanna. We are just so thankful. We're, we're so happy that we were able to meet you. Um, and just grateful that you're being on the, on the show and then experience this together. It's going to be wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a special episode for us. We're doing a collaboration with, as you probably saw by the title of this episode, the Duras Sisters podcast. And uh, they're a great podcast. They talk exclusively Trek and they talk in depth about a lot of really great topics involving Star Trek. So if you have not listened to them or subscribed to them, be sure to go check them out. But first, I want to ask you guys here um, on our podcast, uh, what made you guys decide to start a podcast? How did that kind of come about? Oh, man. So we started out just talking about, I mean, the thing is, is that Ashton and I talk about Star Trek all the time. So we grew up watching it together and everything. And so we were talking one day about some like really niche in-depth thing about some random Star Trek episode. And I turned to Ashlyn and I'm like, we should just do this, but record it and make it a podcast. And then it kind of sparked from there. And then the pandemic was happening and we realized we have basically nothing to do. We're all, you know, we're sent home from whatever we had just graduated college. Uh, and so we were both thinking, hey, we have time to do this. And so we just decided to start the, our little pandemic baby podcast, which has then turned into what it is now. Yeah, and we'd been talking about it since 2019, but at that point, like Rihanna mentioned, she was in her last year of her undergrad. I was in my second year and last year of my master's, so it was impossible to set aside time for that kind of commitment. Uh, but then once the pandemic hit, we said, why not? And the way that we do our podcast, because it is all Star Trek, so it does kind of limit us, but of course, there's so much Trek to talk about. We could probably go on for years years and years and years, but we look at Trek through a series lens. So we started off, very first series was the pilot episodes. We went through every single pilot from every single series, starting with the original series all the way. We've even reviewed Now Strange New Worlds, which is the newest show, I think, um, and then we've done series like family episodes, love and affection, time travel. Right now we're in our holodeck series and it's our 10th or is it the 11th series? I can't it's remember. the 11th now. <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy. We just hit a hundred episodes and um, we've loved every minute. It's been really interesting to talk about Trek. Sometimes it gets really serious. Like our feminism series had a lot of like serious conversations. Sometimes it's absolute nonsense. Like what the holodeck series <laughs> has been. <laughs> Well, that's great. I mean, yeah, Star Trek is something it's been around long enough. There's enough of it that you could talk about so many different things. And what's great is, is Star Trek and this, I don't want to say I'm bashing Star Wars because I'm not, but Star Wars is more, more strictly for entertainment, right? Like Chris and I have joked before that Star Wars is a space opera about two kids with daddy issues, you know, and start, but, and, and it's great. I'm not, I love Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars just as much as Star Trek, but Star Trek is more in depth. It, it talks and challenges political and socioeconomical things going on currently in the world. And so there's a lot of stuff you can really get in depth with. And then you can kind of have like hokey campy, you know, geeky conversations about random stuff like, Hey, what kind of phaser is that guy carrying, you know, that kind of stuff. So. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the reason, you know, you were asking why Dura sisters, why Klingons, I mean, we are sisters. If it's, I mean, you're going to figure out that we are pretty similar as the conversation goes on. So we're actually sisters. We started watching Star Trek together when we were like 10 and 12, maybe even younger. Um, and the most famous siblings, maybe, yeah, pro I mean, definitely the most famous sisters from Star Trek are the Dura sisters. And they're just a pair that you love to hate you know whenever they're on the screen you're like oh man that house of duras is back what kind of trouble are they going to cause so we're not maybe like going to try to destroy a galaxy full of people in it necessarily but <laughs> we are here to cause some trouble and <laughs> just talk about whatever we want well if you guys had that kind of power you'd be rich beyond your imagination i would guess but Absolutely. yeah yeah we'd uh -huh. be trying to infiltrate the high council <laughs> yeah that's right what, what series did you start off with watching together we went in order. So we started off with the original series. That's what our parents had both been, they just had on all the time growing up. So I remember seeing like the Changeling, like the Nomad episode really early on, uh, Kirk fighting the gore. And like a lot of the classic episodes were just on television a lot. And um, once the 2009 Star Trek movie came out, we were like, okay, this looks awesome. We want to figure, we want to see like, why is this so great? Like, what are the origins of this? So we officially started and watched every single TOS episode, falling asleep through a couple. <laughs> and then <laughs> we went on to continue an order of release. So we watched TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. And it took, I think, five years just to get through those five series, maybe longer, because we were going through school at the same time, too. So yeah, I mean, we started what I was like, probably a uh, elementary schooler, and then all the way through middle school. And then Ashland had already graduated high school by the time we were watching Enterprise. So it was quite a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, where can people find your guys's podcast on, on social media? What social media platforms are you guys on? We got them all, I think, are a, a lot of them. Uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Uh, we have a couple of things on YouTube. And then, of course, our Patreon, which you can donate any amount per month to join. Um, we just have a lot of awesome content out there. We're doing... Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a lot for our uh, Patreon right now. We're reviewing the second season of Lower Decks currently. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun stuff on our platforms. That's all of our socials. And then you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I know there's like 30 more and we're pro we're on all of them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, nice. okay. Since you guys are big Trekkies, we're all Trekkies in the room, virtual room, I should say. What's your favorite Star Trek series? There's only Ooh. one correct answer. Chris knows there's only one correct answer, but <laughs> just kidding. Seriously though, what's your favorite uh, series? Ashlyn, you want to go first? Sure. It's, it's hard to say. I'm going to say Next Generation because it's been my favorite for the longest. Um, on another day, I might say Deep Space Nine or Voyager, but right now I've, I'm in a big TNG swing. So I'm going to say Next Gen. Okay. Awesome. Did, did you hear that, Zach? Yeah, did no, you hear I, no. she said the Next Generation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, was, yeah? I, I was itching my ears. I couldn't, I, I didn't yeah. hear that exactly specifically. <laughs> so Rihanna, Rihanna what's, what's your favorite? My favorite, it's Deep Space Nine. I think did you it's hear that, Chris? Did always you go to. <laughs> did you okay. hear that? 
We're already yes. split. Here we go. Split. We're two to two. We have to have somebody break the tie, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's 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 a good. That was that was the correct answer. Rihanna at least answered the correctly correct answer here. So that's good. No, I I, I mean for me growing up, uh, I actually watched more TNG than DS9. DS9, it's one of those, it's it's a show where you, it's really hard to just catch random episodes because so much of it is tied together and it was ahead of its time. And that show was kind of made for today's, um, you know, streaming services and, and the ability uh, to binge watch stuff. TNG is that new adventure every week kind of thing that Gene Roddenberry had originally envisioned. So you could pick up and watch random episodes typically. Um, but for me, it's always been like 1A, 1B for those two shows. But um, what about you, Chris? Yeah, for me, I, I mean, I love Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but uh, Star Trek The Next Generation just uh, it just set the set the table for so much that came after it. I just have so much like awe and respect and, and love for it and love the different themes it explored. So many, so many different um, important themes um, and then character studies all throughout, um, you know, TNG. So I'll continue to always love it. It's going to be really special for, for sure. Yeah. So, all right, we got that. We got that that out of the way. We got the correct answers and then the not correct answers out of the way. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about Klingons. That's why we're all here for this, right? For those of you who are tuning in, you saw the the title. It's episode Spotlight on Klingons. So let's start with Klingons. I'll, I guess I'll kind of maybe ask that question in a different way. What what draws the two of you to Klingons? Because obviously there is a draw because you've named your podcast after a certain set of of Klingons. So. Why why Klingons and, and why has that been important to you guys as Trekkies? Okay, I wanna yeah. I wanna take this oh, first. Yeah, Rihanna, please go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, originally watching Next Generation through, because I I mean, TOS just deals with Klingons like they are the villain, you know, and there's not too much to dive into. The movies, it does get a little deeper, but for me, my love for Klingons started in the Next Generation. Worf has always been one of my favorite characters. And the first run through, there was a lot of Klingon episodes that were really long and it's all about honor. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It's, it's okay. But then the more you like understand and you're watching Worf's journey about he's losing his honor, he gains his honor again and Picard is helping him and everything that happens, I just got really drawn into it. And the fact that his character got to continue on Deep Space Nine was a joy for me. So I really like latched onto Worf and suddenly I'm obsessed with Klingon culture. And I am, instead of saying, oh, why are they so aggressive and annoying? I'm like, yes, power. I love the Klingons, let's go. And I, I really admire them and, and want to take some of their energy into my life. <laughs> Just minus the Batleth. Yes. Unless, yeah. or let, do you have a replica Batleth hanging on your wall somewhere? That's a question. I have actually a purse that has a Batleth like um, cover, but oh, nice. no, no real Batleth. That's kind of yeah. my life goal. Is my husband has a Zelda sword, and so that's on our mantle right now. And I'm hoping we can get a Batleth at some point to hang on the wall. So we'll have. Yeah, a you're hoping to replace room. the Zelda sword with a Batleth. Yes, yes. When he's yeah. asleep, he won't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brianna, what about you? Because I feel like maybe you slept through a lot of those Klingon episodes <laughs> next generation. <laughs> yeah, for me, it wasn't quite as, uh, like, I wasn't quite as drawn to the Klingons as I was to the Vulcans. I was like, I mean, I still am obsessed with Spock and I love Vulcan culture. And so I did remember being kind of tired or just like not paying attention as much as I wanted to be in those Klingon episodes. But I think what really draws me to them is the Dora sisters as a first, you know, obviously that's our name. That's what we decided to sort of brand our podcast as. 
but also they're like women leaders, you know, and that's mm-hmm. something so powerful about these two sisters. And they have this incredible bond, you know, and it's just like how similar Ashlyn and I are, except the evil part, you know, it's, so, <laughs> it's, it's really cool though, because not a lot of women were even able to get up to that kind of status as a Klingon. And this is if you're ignoring discovery. Yeah. For now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, we're, well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll hold my comments on that one, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> it does change, but like in the Dura yeah. sisters era in next gen, yeah. they, mm-hmm like we're scorned for even trying to be on the council so mm-hmm. come on yeah. ladies yeah. so yeah. but like these pioneering klingons who really didn't take no for an answer and sometimes in a problematic way but i'm always cheering when they're on the screen is the thing you know because they're so fun to hate and to also just love and so i think a lot of my admiration for klingons came from them and of course for Worf, i feel the same way i love Worf and his entire character journey and that we get to see more of that and Picard is like really exciting to see how he's evolved even further Rihanna's yeah. favorite part of Generations is when the Dura sisters take over Jordy's visor isn't that right Rihanna <laughs> no that's the worst part <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, this is not a controversial question but it could be okay so I know Rihanna obviously you're, you're, you you picked the correct answer for favorite Star Trek series but in <laughs> D Space Nine just like how TNG brings more of that that culture and you get to learn more about the Klingons than you ever did in the original series vice of the movies um in DS9 we get a whole backstory and we get to learn so much about the Ferengi I look at the Ferengi they're very similar to Klingons in certain respects obviously you know the Klingons are honor the the Ferengi are prophet but there's a lot of similarities, I feel like, you know, in, in Ferengi culture, right? You have women are, aren't supposed to wear clothes. They can't earn profit, all this stuff. In Klingon culture, women aren't supposed to be on the council and be all these warriors and everything else. Do you see any similarities between those those two uh, alien races in Star Trek? I like that. I hadn't thought about the two of those because of, like, the their fundamental difference of, like, <laughs> finance versus, you know, battles and stuff. But I also think that they are both very like honor shame culture society Klingons more but I think Ferengi also also hold to a standard like you are shamed if you don't have this much money or if you don't have this much land or profit or opportunity and stuff and family is also so deeply entrenched into both cultures even if it's negatively seen for the women or you know oppressive it's still like family is so essential in to knowing how much you're going to make sure you can like go out and try to make some prosperity on your own but really your family name is what how Ferengi's you know sort of I don't know are intertwined and that's very very true for Klingons as well yeah absolutely I think also uh some of the best Ferengi and Klingon episodes are in Deep Space Nine too (laughs) True. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say T- TNG did uh, uh, wonders for furthering the Klingon race, right, and their culture and their background and everything else. Obviously, Worf is, you know, probably like the ambassador of the you know the Klingon race because of his importance and how much he's in Star Trek. He's, I think, his character. Correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say his character has some of the most appearances of episodes in all of star trek i, I don't remember so, if, yeah i don't remember if he's the number one or if there's somebody above him but he's certainly up there in one of the top couple most appearances in star trek um so that's yeah that's really interesting uh you know where klingons came from in toss they're just a bunch of men running around painted brown 
you know, and you didn't, they were just like these aliens that were villains and everything. And then to how they're portrayed in, in uh, next generation and how they're further. And then DS nine, I think furthers their furthers them even more because you get to see things like more of Gowron. You get to see some guy named Martok who becomes a huge, huge part of, of the Klingon lore and all that stuff. And then you see other characters like in an episode I just watched recently called blood oath, right? Where Dax goes out and fulfills a blood oath she makes with um, three other, these older Klingon gentlemen. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It's the same thing. in DS9 does the same thing with the Ferengi too. This Ferengi are like these like, weird kind of off the wall like space pirates and tng that have these weird whips to becoming all about profit and they completely change even to the point where some of them you know dress up as women like cork does in one of the episodes so interesting you know the dirty go ahead yeah yeah yeah. some of the zach you were talking about wharf and some of the brilliance of wharf's character is that um wharf is exploring his own culture from an outsider a little bit right so he's he's on the outside as are we so as are we like exploring and, and, and looking at the, the Klingon culture from an outsider. So um, I'm glad like throughout TNG and DS9, you have that complete kind of journey with Worf kind of exploring all kind of facets of, of his of his culture and and, you know, his own personality. So, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Chris, I love that you said that because it makes me think of Guinan, too, especially mm-hmm. when uh, they're like playing their little shooting game together and Guinan's like kicking his ass <laughs> and like uh then he's like Klingons do not laugh and she's like yes they do Worf like Klingons are laughing constantly you know and so he's seen a very specific lens of Klingon culture that is that can be so vast and varied just in between different Klingons too and different situations that is so hard to pick up on if you haven't been around Klingons your whole life. Yeah, I mean, Worf is the type of Klingon who, like, I mean, like you're saying, like, completely grew up outside of his culture. He grew up in Russia, in mm, on Earth, Minsk. and so, yeah, Minsk, and <laughs> he loves prune juice, and he read <laughs> yeah. about Klingon culture, and he knows that his parents died in the battle, like, at the Kittimer Accords, and so he's he's like a bookworm about Klingons, you know, but he 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 knows so much about he's obsessed like with the rituals. He practices everything. He's very studious, very serious about it. So then when he is actually serving on Klingon ships in some episodes, he is really out of place, even amongst his own race, um, which I just think is really interesting to watch and how much he changes. And when he meets Dax, she even says, you know, like, why are you taking this so seriously? Like, you're so different from other Klingons that I've met. Yeah, especially in the episode, uh, You're Cordially Invited, where they get married and she's got to prove herself to uh, Martok's wife. And yes. she, he, Worf is so dead set on following this specific ritual because now at that point, right, Worf is part of the house of Martok. So she's got to impress his wife. And she just, she's not biased. This is, this is stupid. Like, why am I doing this? And he's like, you must do this, you know? And so. Yeah. It nearly breaks them apart almost, you know, like they almost call off the wedding because of that and because of their differences. And Worf has always wanted the big Klingon wedding with all the trimmings, as Dax says, you know? And so if anything goes off book, he just sort of freaks out and it's understandable, but it's also like, Worf, my dude, like there's so many different ways to be a Klingon. It's not just one, you know? Yeah, Yeah. uh, uh, Worf is struggling you know, Worf struggles on what does it mean to be a Klingon, right? So he's mm-hmm. all, all the things that he has learned about, like on Earth and when he was growing up amongst humans, and he's he's studying all these pieces of literature on on this is what it is to be a Klingon. You know, you you have a certain belief and you have a certain um, um, system of 
of behavior on what a Klingon is. And so Worf is completely struggling with that, like throughout throughout his career and throughout his life. So I exactly. think if uh, they if TNG had been not episodic and had more connected episodes, they could have really dived in deeper to his relationship with Alexander, his son, because the fact that he is such a serious Klingon and he's raising a son who doesn't even want to be in the Klingon culture, he hates Klingons. He was much more on the side of his mother who dies so sad. Um, and she was half Klingon and she's like, she thinks, oh, it was stuffy rituals. I'm not about it. And Alexander just is very reluctant to take place in anything going on in Worf's life. And he's just so obsessed with his culture. So I, I, it's such a struggle for him. And I love that. I mean, he's a terrible father. Like I love Worf, but like, oh my gosh, just terrible <laughs> father. But yeah. I, it's, it's interesting to see like his struggle with that. And I wish we had had more time with Alexander in DS9. We do see him in your quarterly invited and, I know in Picard season three that the big controversy has been Worf is say Worf has a line that says, um, I'm what is it like I'm peaceful I'm now. A pacifist. Pacifist, yeah. yeah. I'm a pacifist, oh. a pacifist. And I'm wondering, is that because of Alexander? Because that's Alexander's whole thing too, is he wants to be a Klingon and not be a warrior. Yeah, so. like firstborn. And that's the reason that like Alexander became a pacifist was that alternate future it's just crazy i don't know what they're There's trying to leave here in Picard. I, yeah <laughs> i hope they explain it because if they just come you know warped or shows up and says i'm a pacifist now and we're all supposed to go oh okay like no like right i i personally i saw that and that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth I, I i don't i have a hard time viewing Worf and buying him as a pacifist based on everything we've seen about him right you know i just hopefully they explain that in a good way and it's not just set up so that they don't have to see an older michael dorn you know running around trying to fight i so i'll keep yeah. my mind open but I, i'm a little skeptical to be honest with you on that part yeah, I know it's probably for a writing perspective of like, we don't want Worf to just be the heavy, to just always be the security officer guy, Yeah, you know, like taking down people. But I do hope that it's like, please give us a solid explanation. And I hope they do his character justice, because I also am curious about like Klingons in this in Picard era and stuff, because we haven't seen a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to overpower the podcast with like Picard season three discussions, <laughs> but I do think like Worf as a character deserves his own Worf show like Picard got, because yes. if they're going to drop something in that, that completely changes who he is as a character. I have a feeling they're not going to have time to explain like the full rich depth of how that change happened. If he like had an event that like traumatized him or like, changed his life or something. I just, I don't know. I, I hope we get that satisfaction, like what you're saying, uh, Zach. Yeah, that's true. So, that, so that's my targ in the background. If you can hear River, so he's, <laughs> he's barking. I, I can. I could see. I could see Worf as a pacifist. So really? I, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll. I'll say. This is my own like personal philosophy, but I could. I could see. I could see why. So. So if if Worf is if Worf is someone that has, kind of come up through the. He's he's seen a lot of battles and war um, in the Federation, and then experienced experienced his significant battles um, as part of you know his his assignment in Deep Space Nine and part of his involvement with with Klingons. So I could see him if he has a long career of experiencing all this um, suffering as 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 part of as part of battles. I could see that being the next step, like in the evolution of someone like that, right? So he's seen. He's seen what it is to have all, all all of these battles and everyone 
thinking that it's great to die in honor. Um, and then his own personal kind of losses, um, I, I could see it coming around where you know, he's seen the effect, kind of that, that collateral damage it's, it's had on, on his friends and his people. And, and I could see that kind of next, next step of someone like that being, be, becoming a pacifist. Yeah, that's possible. I was just thinking, you know, if 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 I were king for a day and I were a writer in that room, maybe I would explain it as well. He was never able to get over the death of Jadzia. And so Jadzia died right during the middle of the Dominion War, right? I mean, by a albeit by a possessed Ducat. I still cannot watch that episode. Every time I watch oh, the no. DS9, yeah. I skip that episode. Same. Because mm -hmm. it was a horrible horrible way to kill jed z off in that show but that's a yeah. whole other story but yeah i could i could see that chris maybe that's you know the whole dominion war and the all you know the, the fighting they did in the movies uh, you know with uh with the romulans and and um uh first contact with the borg and then losing jed z and maybe it all just came to head and it was just too much yeah, yeah i also wonder because like so much of star trek is like they're trying to show the people who are like the activists of their culture too. And so I'm really curious because we have not seen much Klingons or like any Klingons in Picard season three or even the era of shows that are coming out like Lower Decks, there's a little, there's some Klingons, but we don't have like the politics of everything going on too. So I'm wondering if there isn't like a pacifist movement that Worf is leading because the Klingons are evolving or there's this new sect happening i wouldn't be surprised and i i we have like so men so much info about the politics going on with gauron becoming the president or be, like becoming the chancellor in next generation and then we follow him all the way through deep space nine he's a classic politician you know i just i want to know more about what's happening on chronos and is everyone okay what, what's happening with the klingons yeah that's true really? well especially because in um was it Star Trek Six, right, where the uh, the Praxis Moon gets destroyed, and they talk about how oh, the Klingons only have like fifty years left, and then they're all gonna die, or yeah. whatever. They're gonna all, mm -hmm. you know, they don't have enough resources and all this stuff. I mean, that was obviously TNG DS Nine. That whole time is more than fifty years past where Star Trek Six was. But does that come into play at some point? I mean, that was mentioned is canon. So does that have any effect, or do they somehow overcome that? Great point. Yeah. Has that yeah, been that, brought up? <laughs> I don't I mean, think so. I've never heard it brought up anything in Star Trek other than Star Trek Six. Yeah. My, my guess, honestly, would be that, like, because, so the destruction of Praxis sort of started up the Kittimer Accords and, like, the history of Klingons connecting with Starfleet and making this alliance. And I think that maybe they probably just put their best science, science rides together to help save Protoss or something or help save everyone. Um but yeah, it's so interesting they just left that out because it's such a huge pinnacle moment in Klingon history and in Starfleet history. I'm sure there are listeners who are like, oh, I play Star Trek or yeah. Star Trek Online. And the answer like is in that part of the game. So yeah. I'm sorry to everyone. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I want to I want to say they make reference to the Kidamar Accords in DS9, but I, I it's been too long since since I've seen it. So. Yeah, honest. I believe they do because the the Federation and Klingons are like love hate, right? Like they go back and forth between being kind. They're like frenemies, right? Like they go back and well, we're friends today, but tomorrow we might be enemies, and then we're we're enemies and now we're friends, and it's just it's like the flavor of the week. Yeah, I think they're allies. I don't. I know 
I feel like they are a part of the Federation to an extent, but like there's episodes like where Worf just straight up leaves the Enterprise to go be on Gowron's ship. Resigns. Yeah. And then even in DS9, I feel like at some point, like they're enemies with the Federation because, or I, I can't, I can't yeah. remember. So it is a really, yeah, they are because they align themselves with, uh, with the Cardassians at one point. Yes. Right. So, yeah. um, there, there is like change laden Gaura. That was insane. Yeah. That's yeah. right. When he's yeah. in that whole camp plot. with Bashir. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It makes me <laughs> wonder more though. Talk about it. Yeah. Sorry. With the writing in DS9, like did they, they just, did they just not know what they wanted to do with the Klingons in there? Or was that intentional of them to flip flop back and forth to keep you guessing? I guess that was always a question I had like why the why the back and forth with the klingons i mean to to mm. further the plot or to keep you on your toes or because they're like oh yeah let's throw the klingons in this sure that sounds good everybody knows what the klingons are so let's do that i don't know yeah well, i think, I it, think oh sorry go, sorry go ahead you're gonna say I, probably the same yeah. thing no you're fine yeah i think it also demonstrates sort of the, the the truth of war and how like even within our world wars we've had power shift you know and like change yep. sides when needed and even like with the romulans coming in is sort of like you know bringing the soviet union on our side for world war ii you know thinking about that and so maybe it's them even providing sort of like historical context to like this is how war could sometimes be and sometimes you just don't expect the Klingons to join the cardassians and here they are but like they're able to rope them back in because i think eventually they realized that the honorable choice is Starfleet over, you know, the Dominion and the Cardassian creating their union. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And they, they had a spat of like bad leadership too, right? I think it in some yeah. of that DS9. The Klingon the Klingons did some bad totally. leaders. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, yeah, it started I with loved... Gowron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I loved Gowron in Next Generation. I was like, yes, Gowron's here. Yeah. But we see him make some really questionable decisions in Deep Space Nine. And that's why I say he's a classic politician, because he's not really the person you want to vote for, but he's the person you have. So you might as <laughs> yeah. well just like support him because he's the only thing standing between the Klingons completely siding with the Dominion. So whatever or it's like only thing between him and the brother duras which like never should be (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that that just dives into the klingons as a whole their cult their culture is very complex i mean people think like oh they're just a bunch of brute dudes who run around and and kill each other and then die in battle but it's very complex you know i've noticed from all the the different encounters with the klingons in different episodes you know going back to something like loyalty right where you know, oh, you're not going to support the Supreme Chancellor and everything like that. And so this this ulti- this ultimatum and ultimate authority and the idea of, well, if you don't support him, then you have no honor. If you don't obey this person, then you have no honor. And the idea of family and your house is your family and these rituals and stove accord, all these things. There's there's so much interwoven within the Klingon culture. It's very, very complex. And I don't I mean and obviously a lot of Trekkies know that, but there's a lot who probably don't really realize how complex their culture actually is. Yes, yeah, especially the- oh sorry, please go. I think the Klingons fall under the trap, honestly, that Kirk falls into a lot. And hang on with me now, because I think uh, a lot of people think James T. Kirk is like running around, like fighting everyone, punching everyone he can, like sleeping with every woman. But in reality, he is like, yeah, he's a go-getter, but he is very thoughtful and he's very intelligent that he was described as like walking books in the academy. So there's like, there can be a really huge difference between what like the outside fandom thinks of Kirk and what he actually is. And I think the same goes for Klingons. They think, oh, they're the enemy. Like we got to fight them in every situation. They're bad, but they're incredibly complicated and they are a proud race. 
overall, but there's just like you were saying, Zach, there's, there's so much complexity with them. It's, it's very interesting at the, as you break it down and you look through their culture and all the different rituals and everything, and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize like all of this stuff. Right. And we were, Chris and I were talking about a lot of this stuff before we did this episode and we started looking at, okay, well, what are some of the important Klingon episodes that are out there? Right. Like what are some of the, where, where in Star Trek is this stuff being shown? How, how exactly are we seeing the complexity of things? And so we started looking at stuff like, okay, well, what do we see in TNG and DS9 and, and Voyager Enterprise and all that stuff? Are there, are there some specific episodes that stand out to you guys is that, that kind of show what we're talking about, this idea of honor and, and their houses and their rituals and all that kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm wearing my Picard is my Chadich shirt today. And so that, of course, reminds me of this entire arc of TNG that Picard assists in helping them get a new chancellor after uh, he's poisoned. And this is when, of course, we get the whole Dora sisters plot and ploy to try to get their little like nephew on the council. It's just insane. And so this though we get to see that Worf has been struggling with like his father getting framed for you know all of this very convoluted stuff about the family and that Worf you know being son of Moog then has completely had dishonor on his house because of this supposed betrayal and it's so complex I love that the that episode those episode arcs really stand out to me and I think that's like reunion, um, or redemption. Or... <laughs> they all have redemptions that. like the Civil oh, yeah, War. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm with yeah. you, Rihanna. That's whenever Picard is the Chaudi, just like <laughs> epic, epic tier uh, episodes for me. I also really like. Um, there's a episode in Voyager actually where Bellana has to go on the barge of the dead, and mm. um, because she, I think she like doesn't think her mom is going to get into Stovacor. And so she has to like go on the barge of the dead, like simulate death to like talk to her and make up with her. And again, like I love Star Trek because these religions that everyone is about, like the Bajorans and the Klingons, their afterlives are real. Like the prophets are real. Um, the barge of the dead is a real place. So I love that the Klingons are actually like on their way to Stovacor. Um, so I love episodes that also go really in depth in the lore and the backstory. Every time they talk about Kalis, I'm like, nice. Like the Klingon, they the Klingons killed their gods because they were like, screw you guys, we want to rule ourselves. So I, I'm a big like lore person too. So any type of those episodes are awesome for me. Yeah, I like you know uh, I think I had either seen an interview or read it somewhere that Gene Roddenberry, obviously when he created the original series and then even early on in Next Gen before he passed really didn't bring a ton of religion into Star Trek. It wasn't until like when Rick Berman and Michael Piller took over. And then obviously you see that shift in DS9 where religion becomes a huge emphasis in the, in the series. Like, like you mentioned, Ashlyn, with, uh, with uh, the Bajorans and they're an incredibly deeply religious um, uh, uh, race and the Klingons, you see more of that uh, in DS9 with 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 their religion and Stovacor. You see that in Enterprise, like you mentioned, with the Barge of the Dead. So I, f I found it very interesting that 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 change and that turn and some a new focus that Star Trek started to look into that they really didn't spend much time on before. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I I see it as I I think it's very good that they did do that turn um, because the ex 
exploration of the mythos with the Bajorans and the mythos of of the Klingons is is really there's a lot of reflection in that with our own with our own cultures, right? You can you can compare that to um, a lot of uh, a lot of mythos that we've got with the Norse and the Vikings and 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 what they and what they study, um, or the Greeks and the Egyptians and what what they believe in the afterlife and what they thought it was like a real tangible tangible afterlife to go in. So I think um, it's terrific that that Star Trek's exploring all of these afterlife um, like like lores within the different cultures that that it has because um they're they're all taking it it is very real to them as it is to all all of our cultures cultures here so that's yeah, a that's a great yeah. kind of turn in, in what star trek did yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah and also like i love the fact that on top of rituals they or like they also have rituals and stuff that they're able to practice and Worf is able to practice on like the holodeck and things um I love when we get little snippets of an episode where Worf has to do his rite of ascension or um you know he's trying to teach Alexander the fundamentals of Klingon fighting and all of these different practices but some of them you know can cause like this ethical controversy like when uh Worf you know has like is paralyzed paralyzed. yeah Yeah, in tng or i was thinking the deep space nine one where his brother kern comes on and wants him to like his wants his wants wharf to kill him and so cisco is totally against it he's like i know we have to respect the religious rights of people but not to the point where they're like killing each other yeah assisted suicide that topic right i mean Mm -hmm. yeah that's what star trek does so great right where it takes very controversial subjects and things that either you can't talk about on in normal shows and movies or if you do they're gonna you know probably not do well right and you can put it in the future and put it in science fiction and you can talk about those things and you can address them make people think star trek makes you think and that's what i think is so fascinating about it and so great about it every time i watch star trek any episode from any series if there's something that makes you think in there almost every time i'm like oh i didn't think about that way this time i've watched this episode 30 times but I didn't think about this this time. You know what I mean? So uh, it keeps you thinking. It keeps you engaged. It's not just entertainment. It's not Michael Bay explosions in your face transformers where you can just sit back and drool and not even not even think, you know, so. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I even find myself like having watched Star Trek through so many different ages, having completely opposite opinions than I did even a couple years ago. So you're totally right. You see new things every time and you're like, wow, my opinion on Sister Suicide has changed, even though yeah whatever um and you're also talking about rituals for me when i first saw you're cordially invited which we've already talked about i vowed as a teenager i'm i'm gonna find a husband who also wants a klingon wedding and that didn't happen <laughs> but i like that I, didn't happen did it it, it did not unfortunately <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah. i know there's a parallel universe where i had a klingon wedding so i'm just very happy for that <laughs> ashlyn she had a great day got to wear the dress and everything yes it's yeah. funny you mentioned that because when i was engaged to my now wife uh I tried to get her to do our vows and Klingon and I was shot down. So oh, I even, darn. and I, and then I was like, well, okay, if we don't do our vows and Klingon, cause she's not a Star Trek, she does not like Star Trek at all. I'm like, how, how do we get together? But anyways, yeah. so, um, so then I was like, well, how about we do our, our like wedding invitations in Klingon? She's like, that's, that's idiotic. No one's going to know what that says. And and no, I'm like, all right. So I, I think somewhere in an alternate universe, we, we had yeah. a, a wedding where we had Klingon vows. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I believe yep. it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there, there, there's a lot of episodes that I saw. Uh, Chris, are there any specific episodes that you can think of 
from any of the series that that really stood out to you as far as exploring in depth kind of the Klingon culture and stuff we've been talking about? Uh, yeah, one one that I saw like not too not too long ago. Um, th this is not so much maybe Klingon culture, but but it was funny. I finally got to the episode in Enterprise <laughs> where they where they I think it was called Affliction, where they kind of explore hey the physiological differences between um, the Klingons that we see in Toss and the Klingons that we see now. So I thought that was, that was pretty, uh, that was fun to watch and fun, fun to kind of see. And then you tie it back. I think you tie it back to something Worf said, right? Worf says, Oh, we don't talk about that. He said something funny about that. So that, that always comes to my mind. Um, I liked that. I, I liked finally um, seeing that in Star Trek enterprise had been, a, had, you know, I'd heard for it, heard about it for a while and it was great to kind of, finally see it and kind of laugh about it so that was great that was one that comes to my mind yeah i know people will like shit on enterprise and stuff but it's so good for these like really specific things retconning things and like helping us give more of a backbone to the federation and to klingons during this time i love that archer and kang get to have this like whole dialogue and him and to pull and read and everyone is helping him get back to chronos and they have that sort of like first contact with humans you know with archer that's such a cool way to sort of introduce us to the klingons and say like there was tentatively <laughs> like could have been more peace if things hadn't you know really gone to hell <laughs> after um but that yeah too i'm so glad you mentioned that chris of just like the whole thing with the plague breaking out and their ridges disappearing that's just a genius way of yeah. of making that happen <laughs> i mean it makes total sense that they would do that so so the the klingons are you know part part of them that they want they want to have stronger and and more powerful warriors so if they find if they find the idea that hey perhaps there's some genetic genetic enhancements that can make that happen and they can make their warriors stronger they they would surely do that so you could kind of you could totally see them uh wanting to explore that and say hey yeah we can make we can make greater and, and better warriors and then and then at backfiring and then then totally. trying to figure out okay what do we do now because <laughs> it's killing us so <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah i i i don't care what anybody says i think i think enter i will never i will never crap on enterprise i love enterprise i think yeah. it's it's but for amongst most trekkies i know i think it's woefully underrated it's woefully underappreciated i think it it was it was a crying shame that it only got four seasons and it barely got, I mean, it, it, it might not even have gotten three or four seasons. They, there was talks of it being canceled yeah. after two. I think it was just an unfortunate set of timing from what I've heard in interviews that it was kind of the idea where by the time they got to enterprise, people were just kind of tired of star Trek at that kind of, I mean, being on TV, like they just, it was, it was exhaustion for the franchise. Uh, had it been made at a different time, had it been made like right now or at a different time, I think it would have gotten more than four. It was so good. And season four, they're getting right to the time where they could have covered the Romulan Earth Wars and all those great things. And the, the amount of amazing stories that could have come out of that series. Not that they didn't have amazing before because they did. Uh, but I, I love Enterprise. I think it's fantastic. I think it's it's woefully underappreciated. I'm with yes, you. period. Season <laughs> yeah. three and four are like, there are some really gold nuggets in those in those episodes and i just wish they had time to make a just like keep going have a satisfying ending i hate talking about the finale but yeah oh, the finale is yeah, terrible cursed. um uh -huh. yeah <laughs> but you know it uh, i i will say and this could be controversial but maybe it's not and but i don't care anyways i, I actually think uh, if you look at all the star trek series right 
toss through enterprise or even in the new stuff enterprise itself might have the best first season. You know, most of the series had some clunky episodes, you know, like TNG had code of honor and all those other terrible episodes, you know, uh, move along home and in, in DS nine Voyager has a few like episodes in the yes. first season, but enterprise. I mean, I don't know. I thought the first season as a whole was pretty good from, from yeah. beginning to end. It, and not every episode was a winner, but it was a pretty darn good first season. I think it had the best first season of any of the Trek series. Yeah, like tonally, I think too, they knew what they were going into. And with a show like Deep Space Nine, they knew they wanted to be episodic, but also have overarching plots or three-parters or seven-parters. But like, they weren't sure by season one what the show's tone was going to be. But I think Enterprise, they just were like, yeah, we know exactly what we're shooting for. And that stayed pretty consistent throughout, which is amazing. And we get faith of the heart. So like, I'm not mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, but but it, it is interesting, you know, in the pilot episode of all things that they could have put in the pilot episode of Enterprise, we get a Klingon on Earth, you yeah. know, which ties yeah, it back to, you know, the, the significance of the roles Klingons play in Star Trek. I mean, outside of maybe the Vulcans, the Klingons might be the most recognizable alien in Star Trek. To people, and I'm thinking people specifically that are not Star Trek fans, like if you say Klingons, a lot of people are going to know what that means. And they totally. may have never watched Star Trek before. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of used as like the nerdy stamp. Like I'm thinking of that Frasier episode where he like realizes he's actually speaking Klingon the whole time because his son was trying to get back at him, you know, and that's just sort of like a nerdy During reference. His ba- like his bar mitzvah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so good. You know, yeah. and so, but that's like, oh yeah, that's that nerdy Star Trek thing. If I hear Klingon, like it's so true. It's very recognizable. Well, yeah. And so are there... it's- it's one oh, of the first ahead. languages like developed for uh, a fantasy, you know, yeah. like, I mean, the, the Klingon language was, is like legit. Like I saw you had the Klingon dictionary before um, I have my copy as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's legit. And I know like Lord of the Rings, once the movies were developed, like Elvish was created and now it's pretty commonplace. I think if you're like deep in lore to have a language that actually like makes phonetic sense, but I in I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like Klingon was one of the first like fictional languages that was invented and it's Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Chris and I were just looking at this yesterday. There, there are actual like community colleges and stuff where you can take Klingonese as an actual accredited class. Like it's, I believe it's an official language too. Yeah. I believe it's recognized as that. Yeah. And that's from Star Trek. I actually found out that in the 90s, um, some mental hospitals were hiring people who spoke Klingon because some of the people who were like in these hospitals were speaking Klingons to their doctors and they didn't understand them. Wow. I was shocked. Need a like, translator. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what? I've like, never heard wow. that. Have you heard yeah, that before, Chris? I've never heard that before. No, I, I never. I heard that on now, now playing podcast when they were doing their um, Star Trek movies review. Arnie, the main oh. guy, he said he was approached to work in a mental hospital because he spoke Klingon. He was like, I don't speak it that well. Like, yeah, like, you know, I can't like <laughs> translate. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wild. Yeah. I, I have here the uh, Klingon Hamlet in the original and it, it, side by side, you have uh, the Klingon and then the English. And so it's just so great. Like, I love that so much of Star Trek is Klingon and like, we have so much awesome products and like, just very deep references that I was like, I have to get Hamlet in its original Klingon. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you've never experienced Shakespeare unless you've experienced it in its original Klingon, right? That's exactly. what we've been told yeah. all the time, right? All along. So, yeah, yeah. yeah of, of all, you know, in, in the Klingon houses, of all the 
kind of back maneuvering that individual Klingon individuals do in the houses. I could completely see like something like Hamlet, like occurring in one of the, the Klingon houses. That's how much like totally like maneuvering that they do. So it's it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's why they're such big Shakespeare fans. They're like, yes, this is so like gory and like <laughs> so much in-house murdering. Like that's what yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, one of my favorite episodes that involves Klingons in all of Star Trek. And okay, you're gonna say, oh yeah, I'm gonna roll your eyes, but it is a DS9 episode, and that is the episode, the House of Quark from season three where Quark gets wrapped in on a fake marriage because he's trying to help save this uh, this female Klingon's house. Yes, after Lady Groka. Lady Gro- <laughs> yes, Groka. And then, of course, she comes back, I think, in another episode, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's really good with numbers, and, you know, she isn't, and they do this, like, real quick fake kiss almost, you know, to, to, to consummate the marriage, whatever, and she thinks he's disgusting and vile, but then she starts to kind of fall for him, and... It's quite the little story, and that's kind of where I, where I talked about earlier on when we were talking about the some so much similarities between Klingons and Ferengis. They're very different in many regards, but there's a lot of similarities with their culture, and I just found that very fascinating to see the such polar opposites, right? Like, like you know, the two people you never think of seeing together, right? Like me and Gal Gadot. You'd never, ever in a million years see that happen, like Ferengi with a Klingon, you know? And so you, you see that and you're like, okay, Ferengi and a Klingon, no one would ever suspect that or, or or predict that. That was just kind of like a one-off episode that I thought was really fascinating. Absolutely. And I fun love, too, and fun. Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. And I love that Lady Groka gets a bit of an arc here with the two episodes, like you were saying, and just again want to reiterate how amazing also just female Klingon characters are and how every single time a female Klingon comes on screen I'm like this is going to be 10 times better now because I'm thinking about Kalar coming on in TNG for those two episodes and Groka and uh even I think it's Sorella is um Martok's wife's name and even she is just like so terrifying and awesome and i love getting to see how the women play role a role in klingon culture and even if it's sort of perceived less as a like leadership roles and more in these sort of like not as much as human like women get sort of stereotyped into these like housekeeping roles but definitely sort of like oh the wife of this chancellor or this very you know important person quote unquote but also Klingon women do get to fight alongside their men and so there are these differences but you know with uh, especially compared to Frankies who like women can't even leave planet um but yeah I just adore getting to see all these incredible women playing these really awesome Klingons yeah I think female Klingons definitely uh you, you see it more in DS9 but a little bit in TNG like you mentioned mm-hmm. um they they add a very unique dynamic I I, I loved your cordially invited more than the wedding, I love the fact that you got to see Martok's wife. And you could tell she's in charge of that house. Even, even Martok says, I'm scared of her. You know, like she, she, she's in charge. She's, she's a badass. And uh, she's, you know, you can tell she's the one that rules the roost. I kind of joke with some of my buddies that I work with. Like, you know, when I, I reference my wife, I call her the house commander. You know, like, oh, who's calling? Oh, my house commander's calling. I got to call her back, you know, kind of thing. So her, his wife is kind of that way. And so I, I do think that adds a unique dynamic that you see that that Klingon women, while you don't necessarily see them on the front lines in battle all the time, like in, in Star Trek and these diff- these big battle scenes that Klingons are in, they have a very unique and and uh, um, carved out role within Klingon culture and society. 
Absolutely. I, I think one of my favorite aspects too about Klingon women, like I'm so glad you brought up Grilka. She's like amazing. I, I love that we get to see women on screen that are really emotional and really passionate because so often like women are told, oh, like it's, it's not a good look for you to be emotional right now. Like get out of here, you know, um, Klingons use that passion and emotion as a strength and that's how they um, are able to like navigate their lives. So for me, it's really inspiring to see someone who is being led by their emotions and they know like this is the right choice for me. I'm doing the thing that I know is right and I'm trusting my emotions in this case. So that was really powerful for me to see as also just to see that whenever there's a Klingon woman on stage, Worf is freaking out and he's like, he loves to see the passion. And I, I mean, I love Worf. So whoever he loves, I also love <laughs> by proxy. Yeah. And I think Ashlyn too, like anger, like women are allowed to be angry as Klingons. Yeah. And yes. I think anger is something that like women were told never to be, you know, or else you're seen as like, oh, she's on her period or, oh, she's crazy or whatever the excuse may be. And just Klingon women do not get that because they are, as a race more like you know volatile and hostile and just have more passion that comes from this like deep fire of anger and it's cool to see that that women get to express that too yeah i consider i would consider um jedzia kind of a mini extension of the klingon culture because of totally, her yeah. her her uh sim her um you know her worm her dax's <laughs> you know a uh, past with the uh with uh klingons so I kind of, I think Dax was kind of that same way, right? Like you saw her angry quite a bit. It was okay. You know, she's not Klingon, but I, I think they did a good job of highlighting that, that it was okay for her to get angry too. You know, it's okay for her mm -hmm. to show those emotions, um, whether that's because, oh, she's a symbiote, you know, or not. But I think they did that a good job with her too. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> those, the, the Klingon female roles and those that played them um, did excellent. Because one of the, one of the things I think they are able to teach people very well is that, it is okay to be confident, right? It, it is completely okay to be confident in like who you are, like as, as a person, like where you came from as a, as a culture. And I think in Star Trek and those, those female Klingons, no matter if they were heroes or villains, because it was the same on, on, on the villain side too, right? They exuded confidence in, in who they were and they, they were completely actualized. So um, I, thought, I, I thought that was great. And that's, that's very much, uh, people can look to that like as, as role models and, and say, yeah, it's completely okay to be confident in who you are. So that was, yeah, that was I love sure. that. Yeah. I want to shout Bolana too. I know we haven't talked about Voyager that, that yeah. much, but we can't leave out Bolana Torres. She's yeah. half Klingon, but this is her whole issue. Like this is her whole battle is trying to figure out like, what do I do with my anger? Because as a human, it's not acceptable for me to be an angry human, but as a Klingon, everyone wants me to be angry and emotional. So this is that battle going on inside of her. And I just, I love Bolana. So got to shout yeah. one out for her. And the fact that she gets to like grow into her own version of being a Klingon, just as Worf does, you know, and luckily we get enough time with these characters to see them grow. It's similar to Spock's journey, and we have a lot of characters who go through similar experiences, but it's really interesting to watch someone like Bolana, who really dislikes a lot of herself because of the her Klingon uh, DNA and just her Klingon sort of tendencies and the whole thing with like her wanting to erase the Klingon from her baby's DNA, you know, shows this like deep seated like guilt or just uh even just shame of being a Klingon and so yeah. to see her start to shed that as 
the season progresses and as she's you know finally able to have the baby and realize wow like this person is perfect as they are just as I am and oh what a cool story I just I love that we get even more depth within Klingon culture through Bolana Taurus as well yeah I always wondered especially very early on like first season of Voyager if Bolana's anger and outbursts that she had at times was that due to her being part Klingon or was that due to her time in the Maquis because I mean the Maquis are you know at least considered by the Federation to be terrorists and so forth and and Cardassians consider them terrorists as well is it because she's part of the Maquis as well because the Maquis I mean did you meet many Maquis in Star Trek that weren't angry at life basically they were running around like we're we're just angry we gotta blow something up you know literally yeah Yeah, so I I wonder or maybe it was just twofold like she was because she's part Klingon and because she's part of the Maquis she has this all this built up inner rage and she doesn't really know how to you know how to uh, let it out and then of course she she eventually because she she can't stand tom paris in the beginning which i think is hilarious and then she comes to obviously they get married and everything but tom paris is more like that cool cat like yeah you know whatever man like just kind of go with the flow like california surfer dude you know and <laughs> hang 10 dude you know very laid back and chill versus Bolana, who was much more you know at least early on like angry and stuff and I, i'm curious on your guys's take what you thought was that more her klingon maquis both what do you think i mean what is it chakotay says about suitor that like we i tend to find people for the maquis who already have sort of a violent tendency or are just like more willing <laughs> yeah. to fight you know and yeah. more willing to make these tough decisions that starfleet won't make and so i think yes that definitely maquis is a part of it but i yeah i think that Bolana is so angry at her Klingon self that that just manifests in this really like dark and difficult weight for her and it's really hard to shed that burden of like hating a part of yourself that you can't control that is also you know sort of has a more like I don't know aggressive tendencies or whatever we want to call it but definitely I think it's a mix. I, I think it goes back, I'm with you, Rihanna, it's a mix. I think it goes back to like so much, so many things do, unresolved childhood trauma because mm-hmm. she grew up on a colony of humans and her mom was kind of like absentee almost, like she was around, but she was like getting a divorce with her dad and her dad ended up completely abandoning the family. And Bolana always thought it's my fault. It's because I'm so emotional and I'm a Klingon and it's because of my mom who's emotional and she's a Klingon. And so she just put that blame on herself, like my dad left because of me. And um, and then she just like tried to go to Starfleet. She tried to do the path. She got kicked out of Starfleet. She can't find her place in the world except for the Maquis. And that's where, like Rihanna said, so many people find their home with other people who are others who are outcasts. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, a cause that's really worthy. Like I even think for myself, I'm, I mean, I'm probably a pacifist, but like, would I join the Maquis? Because it's terrible mm-hmm. what the federation did to the colonists that are just getting attacked by the cardassians so mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think balana is complicated and her she she does like deal with her family issues as time goes on but i think it really informs a lot of who she is i think that's great the great thing with star trek right so you get these episodes these klingon centric episodes right and and apart from the costumes and being in the future and the the forehead ridges I find myself watching Klingon episodes saying, okay, put myself in that person's shoes, right? Just kind of like how you mentioned, Ashlyn, with the with the Maquis. How, how would I respond? Is is Would I respond in a fit of rage and anger? Or is that just when I play Xbox? But anyways, <laughs> uh, 
or 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 would or would I take a different approach? You know what I mean? So it's it, it's really fascinating. E even with the alien species, I still find myself saying with Frangi or with the Andorians and Enterprise is how would I respond? Yes, I have a different approach as a human or a human, but uh, how would I respond in those situations? And and with the Klingons, it's no different. If I was if that was my family, you know, would I would I die to protect them or if if I had to go to battle, would I would I do that? You know, all those types of things that run through my head. Yeah, yeah, I, Zach. I like I like what you were saying there. It also got me thinking about um some of the things you were talking about earlier in the episode with um like assisted suicide and and um like how would you would would respond. But I think of the of the races here um, and Klingons, there's also um the aspect of how what what gives someone value. What what gives someone value? And what I mean by what I mean by that right is is so Klingons hold these things like their houses in honor in such high regard or at least in such high regard from Worf's perspective right so he thinks his his name was everything his honor is everything when one and his his ability to fight is 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 everything right so so when you when you when those are like gone when you don't have honor when your house is in doesn't have honor or when your ability your physical abilities to fight is maybe not as as it was what gives you value um and so i think I think that was great for Warf, for Worf to explore and for for the Klingons to explore and them and for for Star Trek itself to explore. Um, and when they explore those 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 kinds of episodes, like what would you do? Like how would you feel? Like what would you feel gives you value? So I think that was all great. And I think within Star Trek, you know, they're they're looking for they do explore things like hey, your your intrinsic value is so much more than what you perceive is is honor or what you perceive is honor within your house. You know, there's so much more you that you can contribute so um it made what you what you guys had been saying earlier made me made me kind of think think about those things and i thought uh this is such like a great great thing for for star to star trek to explore kind of on an out, outside level so, yeah totally yeah and, and i love because, what they like, oh go ahead oh, sorry yeah i think also because uh chris what you're saying about like exploring sort of the path for different Klingons Alexander really gets to explore yeah. sort of his you know like how does he l react in a Klingon world and in a Starfleet world you know he's kind of of both one foot in each world and I think that it's really interesting to watch him choose his own path and like where he feels the most glorified the most you're not glorified but where he feels the most like uh important and useful you know because for so long on the Klingon ships he was feeling just useless and like oh man I'm getting everything wrong you know but I just think that like if Alexander can find that path then it's just really cool to watch him look for that journey because how do you like count your worth in such an honor shame based society when so much is built off of that and if you're not like this pure Klingon then you're not worthy of something or another when really like a lot of times you prove yourself just through the heart of battle, you know, and that's what like Worf and him both have to realize. Yeah. I think that that's the great thing about Worf is that <clears throat> right before, before TNG, you just, you had the original series Klingons. You didn't know a ton about them, but they're supposed to be warriors and they're evil villains and everything. Right. And they're, they're the bad guys for an episode or two here and there. And then you get into TNG, and then early on, it's just there's a Klingon there, but he looks different if you're a if you were a Toss fan, and he's he's part of the the crew and everything. But then as he develops more and more, I think at least from my perspective, you begin to see them right Worf in a way, 
that uh, helps to, I think, break stereotypes that people may have against Klingons, right? You're going to have the stereotypical Klingons that show up in in any Klingon episode. But then you have someone like Worf, who's not a stereotypical Klingon, right? And I think it's great that you say, hey, just because he looks like other Klingons doesn't mean he's the same, right? And so it kind of goes the idea of just because somebody looks a certain way doesn't mean that they fit a stereotype, good, bad, or indifferent. And so I think that also teaches us something in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And like... I mean, and I could also, we can think of it that way too for the like two Star Trek 2009 Klingons, you know, or the Discovery Klingons. Like, oh, let's not talk they about do, Discovery they Klingons. Do look, <laughs> they do look different for sure, you know, and yeah. 2009 or not 2009, Into Darkness, I think sort of started that trend of like, yeah. let's make these Klingons look really punk. <laughs> Rihanna and I, we were talking about this a little bit today before the recording and I had read a, I think it was a tweet or a comment on some post about Klingons where somebody said, what if they look different just because they're from different sections of the planet, like different parts of Kronos, because they're different species of Klingon. And I was, my mind was blown. I had never thought of that ever. Cause I was pissed when I saw those into darkness Klingons, I was kind of pissed when I saw discovery. And now I'm like, Oh my God, am I, am I racist? Like, <laughs> Oh no. Like yeah, the Klingons look totally different in the show, but maybe they're from a different area. They're also, from Southern Kronos. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You can't just think that things are simple because it's very complicated. <laughs> I guess I still, now that we're at this part of the show, I still don't like the discovery Klingons personally. I, I, they just, they look, they don't, I don't know. They look bizarre. It's like they're like trying to combine the Klingons with like aliens or something like not aliens, like generic aliens, like the the, the, the franchise alien. I don't know. It's just really weird to me the way they did it. I, I'm I guess I'm a little bit of a purist in that regard. I like the way the Klingons were made up in TNG and DS9 and Voyager and all that stuff. But uh, but yeah, it, it's very possible. You're, you're, you're definitely right there. Actually, it could be something where it's they're from a different part of Kronos, but it's like, if they are, how come we never saw those types of Klingons throughout the Klingon empire? We've seen enough Klingons on the, on, on the, the screen, right? That I think at some point we would have seen some representation of every part of Kronos. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. We, we never see albino Klingons in, yeah. Um, yeah. in any of the other shows, but they probably exist. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be possible. There's a very, very, very uh, a small amount of them. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the episode blood oath that I just watched, didn't they mention, I think they mentioned something about the, yes, the, albino, the albino Klingon, right? Oh mm-hmm. yes, that's true. There is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there is that, but he, he still has hair though. Like he doesn't, he's not bald and, and just yeah. not looking Klingon like, um, but it, it's possible, I guess maybe there's just so few of them. I mean, you think about like with the Andorians and the Enar, right. And we true. see Hemmer and strange new worlds and he's representing the Enar for the first time outside of those couple of enterprise episodes. And you see Enar serving in Starfleet for the first time ever. So true. Yeah. Be possible. I think the thing that would cause the most chaos of all is if Worf looked like a discovery Klingon when he comes back with the card, <laughs> wouldn't that be a nightmare? <laughs> oh, not only that be a nightmare, I'd turn my TV off and then probably throw it. But, um, yeah. But I will say that the preview they showed of him in the trailer where he's like all great. He's got like gray eyebrows and a great. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I, oh, I, I liked it. I liked, I liked it too. Yeah. I don't know. I have some concerns about it. Maybe it'll grow on me. Like I said, they're going to have to explain a lot in there. And I think you're mm-hmm. right, Ashley. I think they're not going to be able to explain enough 
in Picard because Picard season three is not all about Worf's backstory. They, yeah. Dorn has been, I know Michael Dorn has been advocating for a long time to have like a Captain Worf series. And for a character that appeared more than almost any other character in the whole franchise, why not? Yeah. Oh. I think he's literally like tied with Spock or they're, you know, around the same of appearances just over the Oh, he's more than Spock. He's more Diana. because he has, yeah, he's seven, he be has more, 14 yeah. at least just from yeah. It's insane. Or like Worf is just so powerful and he should get his own series, please. Like we've all been begging. <laughs> My favorite character in the whole franchise is Chief O'Brien, because he's that blue collar working nice. man with the family. So I can relate to him. And I, I love the chief and he also was in a ton of episodes between TNG and DS9. And I, I yeah. would be thrilled to see him get his own series, but then I would kind of get worried that we'd be getting into the star Wars realm where Disney has hosed star Wars and say, Hey, we're just going to throw everything at you. We don't even care if it's good or not. We're just going to make a whole bunch of yep. stuff and put it out there. So that's the only thing True. that concerned me, but um, mm -hmm. I thought it'd be kind of fun if we, if each one of us goes through and talks about maybe our favorite and if you have one, our least favorite Klingon. So right. let's maybe let let's ladies go first here. So so Ashton, let's start with you. Who is your favorite Klingon? Which I think you already mentioned this, but do you have a least favorite Klingon on top of that? Yeah. Um, tough, tough question. I'm gonna go with Worf as my favorite just because he's 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 the man. I love Worf. Um, I would probably say least favorite Klingon, and I don't even remember his name, but he appears in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. He's one of the Klingons who is on Nimbus 3, who's the representation for Kronos on the, like, the peace planet they're trying to build, where originally like weapons weren't allowed, and then the, the planet just like went to shit totally. Um, he's just portrayed as like a drunken mess. And he's supposed oh, to be God. like the best of us. Now yeah. I remember him when you said drunken I, mess. I, I was like, I oh yeah. Like his name is probably like Cord or like it's some kind of, it starts with a K. It sounds yeah. like a sound. Um, and, and a phlegm sound. You're ha, ha, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I just feel like they could have made, like, I love the Romulan who appears in that movie. I think she's awesome. She's like, oh, hello. And yeah. even like David Warner is the human. Like, that's awesome. I just, I wish yeah. like if they had sent someone from Kronos who's like representing the Klingons, I would expect him to be someone cool. So he just like failed all my expectations. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and Worf you, is Rihanna? your favorite. We know that. <laughs> yeah, so. Worf's yeah. Favorite. yeah, yeah. Rihanna, what about you? Your maybe your favorite Klingon, mm. and if you have a least favorite. Well, I mean, of course, like Worf is so high on that list. Um, but I think honestly, I will have to go with Kalar because even though she had so few appearances, she just really inspires me so much to just like like Chris was saying with the confidence stuff too you know like Kaylar just comes onto the ship after being like in stasis or whatever and she's just like hello I'm here I'm the ambassador let's go like and she's just Leanna, for listeners who don't know can you explain who Kaylar is yeah yeah <laughs> sure yeah she is uh Alex she is Alexander's mother actually and uh her and Worf had some fun times in the holodeck to greet Alexander <laughs> <laughs> and uh she's also the ambassador for the Klingons for a while before she tragically loses her life and she's only in two episodes but like she's just so epic and honestly least favorite Klingon I mean I don't know. I think like a lot of the movie Klingons in the TOS movies are just sort of cringe. Like Ashlyn was saying, just like 
either just let's put your generic Klingon on there who's just like shouting in Klingon and saying fire <laughs> and all of that. So I think it's more just when it's like a stereotype that I'm just like, I'm not not a fan of that. There's a Klingon, especially now we get so many great representations of all these different types of Klingons that when I just see like power hungry BS, I'm like, all right, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. All right, Chris, what about you? You got a favorite and least favorite? <clears throat> I do. I do have a favorite. Other other than Worf, I mean, Worf would be the favorite, but the second favorite. So the second favorite is actually a villain from Star Trek VI, uh, General. I mean, it's either Kang. General Chang, Kang. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I love him. He's he's um, you know, he's quoting Shakespeare and he, <laughs> all yes. the time, and he's he's just a very very, uh, a colorful, incompetent and outgoing villain and uh, and charismatic. And I just love I love that he that he's uh, shouting Shakespeare as he's going into those battles too. So, so yeah, he would definitely be uh, one of my favorites. And then my, my least favorite Klingon would be from, I don't even remember exactly which one it was, but I, I think, I think it was this that happened, but from Star Trek three Klingon that killed David Kirk's son. Yes. Commander right? Yeah. He yeah. was on my list too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That would be my, that'd be my least favorite because he killed Kirk's son yeah yeah mm -hmm. zach what do you got well yeah so it's a it's a crazy thing these parallel alternate <laughs> universe realities where doc brown kills kirk's son yeah it's yeah. it's quite crazy those of you listening who don't know christopher lloyd who played doc brown in the greatest movies of all time back to the future uh was commander Krug who kills kirk's son yeah so that, that's an interesting choice so my favorite uh yeah i would say outside of Worf because Worf's definitely at the at, towards the very top i would probably say general martok i found yes. him i found him in the beginning he was just this general right when they first introduced him in ds9 he's just just this general who's you know kind of high up in the klingon empire fighting he's he's got the eye of Gal galron really likes him he's kind of like galron's you know i guess chief of staff sort of if you want to call it that or equate that to something for us humans. Um, but there's more complexity to him, you know, and, and the, his, his wife is hilarious. Uh, the whole thing where he's, I'm, I'm afraid of her, you know, that, that whole thing was hysterical. I just, that the whole interplay and then how he, how he takes Worf in, he realizes that Worf is, you know, in Klingon terms, kind of an orphan, right? Because he doesn't have a house. So he brings Worf in he kind of treats Worf like a son and a best friend. And so there's a lot of complexity to Martok. And then, of course, being replaced by a changeling and being stuck in that stuck in that uh, Dominion, um, uh, you know, j it's not a jail, but it's like, a, it's like it's a on an asteroid. Yeah. yeah, it's like an encampment yeah. or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And he keeps fighting every yeah. day. They throw him into the pit and he keeps fighting. He loses his eye. Like he keeps on fighting. Like he is the pinnacle definition of someone with for loyalty, dignity, all the things that we've talked about that kind of embolden what a Klingon is, and then some. But he's more complex than just your average brute, you know, brute in the background, like like kind of you had mentioned, Rihanna, just some random dude who's shouting, you know, phlegm sounding noises from the back or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, my least favorite is probably from Star Trek uh, 3, and he is Klingon background number four. No, I'm just kidding. That was a <laughs> play, Chris, off of that, that character I talked about from Andor. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know if I have a least favorite Klingon. Um, I kind of like them all for various reasons. 
I mean, Commander Krug, I like just mostly because he's played by Christopher Lloyd. So it just, it's hard to hate mm. Doc Brown. I will say, okay, ladies, don't hate me for this, but what the, the Dura sisters did to the Enterprise D in generations is borderline yeah, inexcusable. It's borderline <laughs> yeah. unforgivable. They destroyed one of the most gorgeous ships in all of Star Trek. I mean, the Enterprise D is, is, it's the it's the gold standard for Federation ships, that galaxy class, that iconic. I mean, I know the Enterprise, the original Enterprises, but the D is iconic. So the fact that they helped take the D down, and I love the E, it's it's beautiful, but I, I have a hard time getting past that. So that don't hate gross. me, but the, the Dura <laughs> sisters are up there on some of the least like I love I love them as characters and watch them as stuff, but I mean what they did was oh, so hard mm-hmm. to get over. That's a cross we have to bear. Absolutely. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Both ships, the original series, uh, original Enterprise and D were destroyed in like Klingon situations. So that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Right. It's not. Yeah. yeah, It's tainted their resume. I'll just tab it. True. For Mm -hmm. sure. And I also, I I totally, we haven't even mentioned, or did we briefly mention Kern, Warp's brother, but I just also want to shout out Kern because he is absolutely essential in bringing the Klingons together to go for Gowron. And I think it's redemption where they're having the civil war, like Kern gets all of his friends to help in the civil war and he really keeps the peace. So what would we be without Kern, you know? That's true. Yes, shout out to Kern. Yeah, I have another shout out too. I remembered um, Michael Dorn when he plays the like lawyer in Undiscovered Country. He's like Worf's grandfather. So epic. And I love him in his big robes and he's just like objection. And it's just like the coolest ever. So I have to shout out as well. Yeah, and Tony Todd, who played Kern, uh, was also the older Jake Sisko in that yes. super touching episode. Oh, and I'm, I'm blanking visitor. on the name of the visitor. The visitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of yeah. yeah, one of the most emotionally driven episodes in DS9, besides Far Beyond the Stars, which is almost unwatchable yeah. because of the emotions of it, and of course the the, the finale. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, only he plays... Paper Moon. <laughs> oh gosh, oh. yeah. Let me start anyways. And this is I know it's not a DS. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to make this into a DS9 episode because I'm I'm tempted here. I I am curious though. Uh, now there's going to be some biases here, I'm sure, but what series of Star Trek do you believe, or do you feel personally did the most advancement for Klingons and like bringing them and their culture and their, and everything to life on screen? Hmm. I mean, I'm going to be biased, but new space nine <laughs> is my answer. Um, I think that I was going to say TNG, but sometimes I feel like there's a couple of TNG episodes that even now, like, yes, as a kid, I thought were boring, but even now I rewatch and like, I'm not super interested in is Kalos actually returned and are we like going to have an episode with him? You know, like it, a lot of that kind of lore stuff, if, at least for me, doesn't hit the mark as well. And so I think having the Klingons in a really intrinsic battle and being like a key player in that in Deep Space Nine, as well as having them sort of be very transient like you know they're really coming and going to the station but there is whole sections where we get to learn so much about their culture and so much about the family that sort of like is interwoven into that and so I think Deep Space Nine for me. And Rihanna I'm going to use your argument for my answer which is TNG because <laughs> yeah great it's, Love it. <laughs> it's the series that lifts the Klingons out of kind of obscurity and gives them this rich background and gives them some like 
great meat, some great stories to tell. And we wouldn't have all of this Klingon lore without the next generation. So I'm just happy that they decided to expand on the culture, especially by placing Worf on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Well, it's got to be got to be TNG, Zach. Yeah, of course. Absolutely, it does. Um, because I think it, it TNG is the first one where um, you see them completely differently. Right. Then they had been villains in the they had been villains in the toss um, Star Trek movies, but now now you've got Worf as a as a very very important person on a on the Federation flagship. So so I think when you when you look at it that way, in terms of advancing the stories of 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 Klingons, that that was huge. That was that was moment momentous. So yeah, having that on on TNG and getting yeah. you know getting Picard card in there and um to help Worf out with his family situation and advancing and kind of getting into the realm that uh, of those realms was 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 great too so that's what i would say is tng and but i'm thinking you've got ds9 you're thinking ds9 right oh think again yeah actually oh, oh, okay something else oh okay so yeah. so uh i am going to play sweden here in this regards and say it's a tie for me between TNG and DS9, I can't I can't give one over the other, and here's why. So, so they're 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 both for different reasons. Like TNG brought Klingons, I think, into the forefront as being more than just villains. Like what was we we know from Toss and from the original series movies, uh, and things like that. And and they they gave us arguably the greatest Klingon character in all of Star Trek and Worf. Right? You can you could debate that, but I I I think majority of us here would probably agree Worf might be our favorites uh uh overall tng brought us a lot of like what you said ashlyn that that this depth and complex and, and and richness to the character they put meat on the bones so to speak for that that species um ds9 however i think goes even deeper than what tng does so um tng gives us Worf and one of the greatest star trek characters uh but ds9 goes into a much deeper level of complexity i think than tng does so i think for both those reasons it's going to be a stalemate just like it has been in on this episode of our podcast of which series was the greatest and ds9 <laughs> and tng going head to head it could be our great nerd debate number three of <laughs> yeah. which is the best star trek series tng or ds9 we've we've done two of those by the way ladies with the great nerd debates the first one was star trek versus star wars and which was the greatest franchise of all time and then we also did a great nerd debate number two which was what was the greatest decade for movies just movies in cinema cinema history and we narrowed it down to the 80s versus the 90s and we debated that wow, so that's tough yeah it could be the great nerd debate number three coming soon to a podcast near you i like that idea wow mm -hmm. yeah that would be that'd be That'd be excellent. That'd be good. Would be epic. There could be things thrown in lots of lots of uh, very emotionally charged discussion on on DS Nine versus TNG, but <laughs> but then but then, it, but then again, I do love TNG. Uh, uh, you know, almost as much. I mean, it's so hard for me. It's like choosing which of my children are the favorite. I can't do that. I love them both equally for various reasons. So it's so hard. It's like when I say one A and one B for me personally with those two, it really is. And and there are moments where I have a little bit of a tip one way or the other, but. Um, yeah, it's hard. So I guess I'm I'm kind of giving you a, a non-answer on the best That's series fine. for Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I normally I will answer. take a stand one way or the other, and I'll, I'll I'll stand behind it. But on this one, it's really hard. It's really hard to say one way or the other. So, so does anyone actually have a Batleth 
or you're working towards getting i don't think you have one zach and no. and, and ashlyn not. you're you're working towards getting one working towards it yeah, yeah. eventually <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> I, i've tried not to tell too many people i don't have a bat lift because i'm afraid they'll pull my trekkie card yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like everybody who is anybody has a bat left. It seems like these days, uh, everybody can, especially with 3d printers and all that stuff. But I, uh, do, I don't, I don't have one. No, it's okay. I do not have one either. So I don't, I don't have a bat left. You Okay. We're, <laughs> all of us are, yeah. we're all in the, the lower part of Trek society. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or at least Klingon society. Yeah. 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 We are not honored houses amongst the Klingons. Yeah, the Duras sisters. You guys should probably get one, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah right. Yeah, the luckily, sisters. Um, yeah. yeah, luckily I got both of us the Lursa and Bator action figures. Um, so we each have nice. one, you know, for our desk and stuff. So at least we're representing in that way. But do they, they come with a toy batleth? Oh, okay. Yes. So yeah, yeah, you do have one. Then it's just miniaturized. They're just little. Yeah, small. they're good for <laughs> yeah. fighting small mice and lizards. Yes, That's pretty exactly. much it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Some of what I was thinking about with with the Batleth and and how they uh, with the Klingon culture, right? So they they've brought in the idea of of, um, of martial arts. Like you can see you can see that with Worf because he's actually teaching martial arts on the Enterprise, um, and you see him like perform his his different um, martial arts activities too. But but they bring in the idea of um, of that the Batleth and and martial arts and and honor and kind of the way of the warrior and and all of that right through. Throughout, throughout, um, I, I see it at least from TNG in TNG and DS9. Maybe not so much in in the original toss or the, the original movies there, but but um, that's what I was kind of seeing in terms of for Worf and specific specifically like how how he behaves and how he follows like a certain warrior code, and then his belief in this archetype of of warrior codes, um, and then his belief in in, in trying to learn. Um, as much like martial arts and and how to use the batleth too so that that is all, always fascinate fascinated me like the connection that they've got they've got in those so um just curious what you guys think about what you think about that or some of the standout kind of moments or episodes that you yeah i was actually just thinking about um I think it's looking for Parmok in all the wrong places <laughs> where Worf has to like pretty much set up his like body so that he can control Quark's movements with the bat left because he has to fight for <laughs> Lady Groka. It's just iconic. Yeah, and so yeah. we get to see what a great warrior Worf is. Yeah. Just the fact that he's fighting someone who's not there, you know, through yes. someone else's body and still kicking butt. And I also am thinking about the times that Worf was trying to teach Alexander how to use the Batleth and sort of showing him around like the, the different types of ceremonial objects. I love getting to see him because it reminds me of just like anyone teaching their kids about an important thing in their religion or important artifact or something that like, oh, we pray to this or, oh, this is something that we use in battle. And like, he has his mechleth and he has his, um, his awesome batleth. And so talking about how it's the extension of your arm and um, all of that kind of stuff is just so cool to really flush out his character even more and get to see him interact with those ceremonial objects is really cool. Absolutely. I, I think of Klingons and Worf especially as like a very like fit culture, you know, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but it's very valued that you like you have to be a good fighter, you have to be a warrior, it, which is interesting because most of the battles that we see are space battles. So you don't have to like know martial arts to like press a button to shoot your enemies, but they carry on that tradition no matter how far they go out in space. And I actually, I mean, I'm such a huge like fantasy medieval 
fan as well as a sci-fi nerd and a lot of like what Worf is trying to teach Alexander obviously it's not working Alexander has no interest in becoming a martial artist um, but other Klingons visit Worf and say your son's like seven he should be able to do this like these five mm -hmm. things and he can and that's very shameful and it reminds me of like in medieval culture like you know training to become a knight or if you're um like i'm thinking in game of thrones like if you're um a king or growing up in like society it's like expected of you to be trained in how to use a bow and how to use a sword from a very young age and that's like if you're a man you have to be taught in those ways otherwise like what else are you doing you have to learn to become a soldier and i, I it was just interesting to see like how <laughs> poor alexander's failing to meet those expectations and Worf, you know growing up in russia with his human parents had none of those expectations on him and so he just rose to the occasion because he's like i'm a klingon that's what i gotta do yeah that's awesome that's awesome you know, Ashlyn and Rihanna, we really thank you so much for for coming on with us. This has been really fun. Just just talking Klingons. I know I'll throw a little bit of Ferengi in there, but I mean, in general, talking about Klingons, I mean, they really are such an integral part of Star Trek. And uh, obviously, because that's your you know podcast namesake, right? The Duras sisters and and that culture, and and that that alien race. Um, I've had a blast. I think it's great getting a chance to kind of dive into a, a one particular alien race in Star Trek and talk a lot about them and their culture. And and uh, you you begin to see the complexity. You begin to see the the ever growing list of episodes that they're in and the importance of those episodes because those are those Klingon centric episodes. They're not just important to Klingons. A lot of those episodes are important to you know furthering stuff with the Federation or or talking more about another alien race like you said Rihanna with um looking for Parmok in all the wrong places and seeing Quark getting a chance to fight it with a batleth <laughs> with the help of with the help of uh Worf at least for most of it and it's really fun it's been it's been a lot of fun talking about Klingons yeah I'm so glad uh, that we got to do this we were kind of talking before the pod you know like how we all kind of have similar style of podcast and like wanted to sort of do these deeper dives and I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen because it's just really fun to take a topic and just like just talk about it as much as we want I had a blast absolutely and I'm really happy that we're doing a podcast exchange because yeah. we, next week we'll be recording where you come onto our podcast and we're going to talk about random red shirts so that's going to be <laughs> absolutely fantastic episode as well the list of memes never ends with those uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my, fa my favorite one being that the uh, the stormtrooper shoots the random red shirt he misses and he dies anyways so it's <laughs> yeah. you know that that epic one there's certainly lots of memes um there's a lot of I mean you think about the red shirts too, right? I mean, there's a, there's the the obviously the random red shirt who dies in the away mission, the meme where it says like uh, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and like Lady Scotty beam down the planet surface, yeah. and Ensign Ricky beam down the planet surface. Guess which one's not coming home, you know? And yeah. so um, things like that. But uh, yeah, but don't forget there are captains who wear red shirts too. So <laughs> there could be some interesting stuff there too. But yeah, we've really enjoyed having you on and 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 getting a chance to do this, this collaboration or you know cross parallel universe thing whatever you want to call it in nerd terms um with you guys it's been a lot of fun and uh we look forward to, to chatting with you next week on your guys's podcast yeah we can't wait thank Very you so exciting. much for having us yeah, yeah thank you
That's right. Yes. The plot. The plot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So for those of you listening, be sure to go on to social media. If you have Instagram or Facebook or any of the major platforms, YouTube, whatever, and look up uh, the Dura Sisters podcast, be sure to follow them on there. Uh, like their their page, go on, listen to their podcast. They do a lot of really amazing episodes, obviously Star Trek-centric and some really good deep dives. I love the Holodeck series you guys have been doing. That's been very fun and whimsical and, and a great little uh, approach to uh, talking about Trek. Um, and be, be sure to stay tuned next week. Um, once we make that episode and they publish that, we will share that with you guys so you guys can hear the random red shirts and all the talks about the red shirts in Star Trek. It'll be a lot of fun. We look forward to it. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And uh, again, also, if you're listening, be sure to go onto our Instagram page, Facebook page, and our newly created YouTube channel where you'll be able to find this video version of, of this episode uh, with the Dura sisters, as well as uh, uh, previous um, uh, celebrity uh, interviews and things other, other things like that that we've done. Um, be sure to go on there and check those out. And we look forward to talking to you all soon. So take care, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Random Red Shirt Podcast. Mm -hmm.